Welcome to the Profitable Happiness Podcast, where we feature stories from highly successful CEOs, business leaders, and experts who exemplify the use of inspirational leadership, employee happiness, and harmonious teams to build business profitability. Hello everyone, this is Dr. Pillay with the Profitable Happiness Podcast, and it is my pleasure to introduce you today to CEO Beth Goff McMillan, who happens to live here in Austin, Texas, where I live, and we just discovered that, so I'm really excited. But Beth, your organization, SKG, has been massively successful. I'm so grateful to be speaking with you, and I want to learn from you about so many things regarding leadership and teamwork, but first of all, can can you tell us how you became Beth, the CEO of this organization? What put you on the path to your unique style of leadership? Well, first of all, I'm so excited to be doing this. I'm <laughs> grateful we connected. Um, these are these are always nerve wracking because I, I giggle and think, well, who wants who would want to talk to me? But it's refreshing to kind of go back through through the memory banks and it, yeah. and it actually centers me to, to have these types of dialogues. So I'm very grateful. Um, I giggle because I was not to be the success story. I was not, I don't have the academic pedigree of most CEOs. Um, I, I don't even have an MBA. I have an MBA of hard knocks <laughs> and I'm a voracious reader. Um, but I actually um, am dyslexic, and so I was a very challenged learner as, as a child. I mean, I'm 46. So when I was going through elementary and high school, they, there were not the support services that there are now. So I was very social, and I, I am for sure a born leader. Um, but I was kind of a goofball because I didn't fit into the academic mold until I got to college. Mm. And that's when my life really changed. I was raised in a, um, you know, a blue collar family. Um, my, my dad um, was a machinist and worked so incredibly hard, had the opportunity to go into management, but my dad was a, you know, a hard worker. He didn't want the drama. He wanted to go to work and he wanted to come home and be a great dad. My mom is brilliant. My mom could have been a stockbroker. She is so financially wicked smart, but was not allowed to go to college because she was raised in Kentucky. And, um, you know, she was born in 44. So that was not really the proper thing for a lady to do. So she got to either go to finishing school or, you know, you know, become a housewife. And my mom revolted, which is, I love. <laughs> but I think watching my parents, my dad who had opportunity but shied away from it and then my mom that wanted it so desperately and was never allowed to have it really fueled me i mean i've always had a fire in my belly not about wanting more i just i wanted i wanted a big impactful life mm. it wasn't about money it wasn't about a title i just wanted to create impact and we were always raised on doing for others. We were very much raised on the concept you do for somebody else before you do for yourself. Nice. And by the time I got to college, that had already been hard work and um, empathy for others was, was deep in my veins. But when 
college started and I was in lecture halls where I could hear information instead of just trying to comprehend it from from written word mm -hmm. the light bulb went off and I have been a voracious learner ever since like I can't read enough I can't consume enough intel I, I just I love it and then I became such an advocate um, for those with with learning challenges mm. uh, but that's kind of how how it started for me mm -hmm. um, but I never I never sought out to be CEO I think what I always sought out to do I wanted to solve problems mm. Mm. Uh, I love to distill information I love to surround myself with highly intelligent people mm -hmm. I want to drive impact and I want to make whatever situation I'm in better. And it just led and led and led until I just got to the point that I'm like, I want to control the whole thing to make it better. Yeah. Wow. And, and you now correct me if I'm wrong here, but you founded this company, correct? I actually did it. I founded two companies prior. Mm. Uh, it's one of the companies that I had started. Um, was very similar to the one that I'm in now. The company, SKG, that I'm with now mm -hmm. um, is 25 years old. And I came on board five years ago as mm -hmm. the CEO, as there were two original founding partners, one retired, mm -hmm. one remained. And Diana, the remaining original founder, um, she and I uh, became partners and mm -hmm. I took the role of CEO. Um, while she has been doing amazing work in a lot of other arenas. Um, but no, I'm not the original founder, but I was in a very similar business as yeah. the one I'm in now. Yeah. You know, I'm always fascinated by the stories of um, great leaders who found their voice, if you will, somewhere. Uh, and and it, it brought them to where they are now. And that unique voice lets them be successful in the space they're in. So, for example, you know, you're in the space of creating living spaces and workspaces for organizations and for people. How did you uniquely sort of take some of the learning uh, adventures that you've described? And how, how did that sort of put you in the frame of mind that you could help people improve their lives through their living spaces? So ironically, I didn't know that for quite some time. Mm. I, um, I started working while in college. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I knew that I, once I graduated, I wanted to jump right in. Yep. And so I was in the workforce for quite a while before the big, I didn't realize I was already doing it. Mm. Um, I, I got into this field. My minor was psychology. Mm. And, and I am that person that I just kept picking at the why. I always wanted to get to the root where a lot of people in our space focus on the design or the output. Here's the design. Here's the piece. This is how it marries. Let's go. Mm -hmm. And I kept, I would always poke and like, but why, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you wanting to create this space? Mm -hmm. And my kind of the apex aha moment was I was, I was, had been in the business for probably 15, 16 years. And at that time, I was with Knoll, which is that billion dollar global um, high design furniture manufacturer. Mm -hmm. And absolutely loved the organization. We parted ways and I literally wanted to leave the industry. Mm. And I wanted to leave because I felt that it was very much broken. That in, in our space, and if you think about 
furnishing then that's kind of what people love putting people in boxes yeah, yeah. So we were in the furniture box and if you're in the furniture box you either make something or you sell something and what i didn't like is if i had a product in my bag people wouldn't really open up to me they were always mm. so afraid i was going to try to sell them something mm -hmm. and i was running sales and distribution for a, a section of the country so when i left I wanted to leave the industry because I, I kept saying it's broken. I can't really help people. I can see where they need help. I have the tools to help them, but they were so afraid of being sold that, that I always got the stiff arm. Yeah. So I literally was in the pool with some girlfriends. I had taken like a four month sabbatical because I was mm -hmm. a single mom. I was mm -hmm. a single mom um, running sales and distribution for a publicly traded global company. And I took a four month sabbatical just to focus on being a mom. And literally one day in the pool, I was like, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to be the advocate. Mm. I want to stand up and be the advocate for anybody who's wanting to create an environment and create space. Mm. I wanted to be their advocate without a product, without anything just to help shepherd them through the process so they could really rely on somebody to completely open up and look at furnishings through a different light. So that's kind of how it all flipped for me. And when what I had been doing in small doses, mm -hmm. I radically said, I'm done. And that's when I created my first company. Wow. You know, I love that making lemonade from the lemons you've been given story. It's just, it's powerful. Um, so, so here we are, you know, you are leading this organization, as you said, in the furnishing space. Um, but, you know, let's talk about, let's talk more about that. Tell us about the ideal clients that you serve today, if you have a specific niche or, or something like that, and, and how you serve them. And maybe start from what challenges are they dealing with that your organization uniquely can come in and solve? You know, right now, in the time of COVID, the needs and the worries are so immense. I mean, mm. truly, we would always joke that, hey, it's furniture, it's not life or death. Well, right now, <laughs> for some people, going into a space, they're yeah. top of mind for them. So it, it has yeah. radically changed. I think the most simplistic way to, to lean into this conversation is Although the original intent of the business was a furniture dealership where you mm -hmm. sold and serviced products, mm -hmm. we stand as this great collaboration of an organization that is a professional services company that also off offers products. So how we serve our clients is we lead every conversation with research and strategy. Mm. We always start with the why. Mm. Then we lead them through the how can we help, and then we'll show you with what. Mm. But for us, our why is our customer's why every single time. There's nothing that we can't do with the space. There's nothing that we cannot do with furniture. Mm -hmm. But for us, it's unpackaging their true needs to help find the right solution. Mm. And so our customers span everything from I have one home office to corporations and under the corporate bracket could be everything from professional services and call centers, um, technology companies to healthcare. Mm. We do a lot of work both in clinical 
um, and support services for healthcare, tons of work in the educational and in particular higher education uh, government. We do an extreme amount of business being in, our headquarters is in Central Texas. So we're here in the capital. There are four army bases or military bases um, just south of me. Um, and uh, so we do a tremendous amount of work in the government sector and then obviously hospitality. So our focus is vast, mm-hmm. um, but we help everyone the same way. I'm really intrigued by, you know, how you've connected the dots from your original love of psychology, um, your, your, your pursuit of the question why. And now here you are in your organization as a leader, continuing to pursue first the question why. In fact, I'm reminded of Simon Sinek's book, uh, start with why you know that's a powerful yeah. book in my life I, I'm, I'm sure you've read it uh, um and and I so sure have. yes yes and and I, I just I really admire that and I also admire the the place you come from in terms of being an advocate I think that's a powerful word you know you you really transformed your the reason you do what you do into something that can inspire other people through advocacy that's that's powerful which leads me to really the question of people Right. Um, you know, as you know, I'm my focus is, you know, profitable happiness. It's it's about people. The people who listen to this podcast usually care about the leadership of people, not just the leadership and production of things. How do you uniquely look at people and the leadership of people and helping them function in teams to create success? That is a very big question. Did you say uh, did you say pink? A big. Oh, big. big. Okay, yeah, all right. I love that. Yeah, okay, big. Big is good because now you can go wherever you want. (laughs) And I love it. Um, That is such a majority of my focus is how do I take a very aspirational vision and empower the leaders to drive to that? Um, our world, our, our industry, our space is, um, very high pressure. It sounds odd, Mm -hmm. but there are so many deadlines. A lot of people don't want to deal with furnishing a space, thinking about a space to the very last minute. So there's a lot of, a lot of deadlines. And so in order to be able to respond very quickly, but, um, taking the time to dig in with the customer, it takes a lot of work on leadership and connecting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we, we peel it back, we have a fundamental philosophy in our company that we are here to support everybody. Mm-hmm. We are here to drive impact. We're here to be professional but we're here to be pioneering leaders. Mm. And what we do every day is we want to push the boundaries and we want to do that for our customers. We want our customer, we want all of our clients to think about their adventure around space through a new lens. Mm. So we're always pushing everybody. Um, and in order to do that, you have to have a very, very strong team that can support maybe it, when, it, when, you, when you're a pioneering leader, 
you're not going to get it right all the time. You're, you're pushing the boundaries where somebody hasn't gone before. Mm -hmm. So how can we create an environment where people feel okay to try something new? Well, you can only do that if you trust. You can only trust if you're vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So for us, how do we set up a company where we can be vulnerable with, it, with each other, allow our customers to be vulnerable with us, how do we implore trust in all of our internal and external channels? And if we can at least lay that foundation, it just drives a depth mm -hmm. of conversation and support and impact. Like everything else falls below that. But being able to set up a, a team and a cross-collaborative team with the foundation of trust and vulnerability was and we've been working on that for three years over three years of how do we come together whether we're executive team whether we're the leadership team whether we're the whole company where we can have an open and honest dialogue mm -hmm. where we can challenge each other in constructive ways myself included um but how can we push the envelope in, in a cohesive and collaborative manner that allows for challenging input. Wow, you've given a pretty much a masterclass on great teamwork right there. I have to tell you, I love the trust and vulnerability piece. And, and I particularly appreciate the fact that you said it took you three years to get it right. Because wow. a lot of people throw these words around and it's not always easy. Um, you know, it, with respect to that, what other, what what possible things could go wrong, um, in your view, when it comes to putting teams together to try to get this thing right? It took you three years to figure it out. Do you have any uh, interesting stories to share? Oh, oh my gosh! How long is the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I, I mean, here's the, the 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 mystery inside of this is. If you look at it as a marathon, and if you know what you want the end, if you're dedicated to what you want that end result to be, you can get through anything. Yeah. I think a lot of times people stop short because it's uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable as a leader where you are supposed to emulate perfection and I have it all, I know what to do. Um, but a lot of times we don't, mm. we don't as leaders. Nowhere have I have never tried to grow a company, sustain a company through a global pandemic on top of a massive racial divide. Mm. It, we as, as leaders have been fraught with so many challenges for me to stand up and say, oh, I got it. I have a playbook. Yeah. I'd be a liar. So I think when you, when you, has the vision that I want to create an empathetic and vulnerable team that can trust each other because we're going to go challenge the norms. It's hard to challenge industry norms when you can't do that. Yeah. When you can't get vulnerable and you can't get real, it's hard, it's, it's hard to break through um, on, on ideas. And I was very focused on that. So there, were, there was plenty that we got wrong. Um, I think we tried doing it first with our entire leadership group instead of us as a C-suite doing it first. Mm -hmm. We tried doing it together. Um, 
we had to roll back and say, okay, we're, we're going to get it right. We're going to make sure we understand the language. Mm-hmm. We're, we want to demonstrate by, to the rest of the leadership team how we function, how, how we can challenge each other and challenge each other constructively and openly. Like it's almost leading by example. Then when we opened it up to the leadership team, it made sense. When we all tried doing it together, we got off balance. We had to retreat. Um, so it's, it definitely is small bite chunks. Mm-hmm. I think the most important thing that we did was we created a rule book. And it was this one page of no-nos. You can't mm-hmm. back channel. You cannot, if you have an issue, and if we're going to be this tr- collaborative, transparent company, we won't back channel. If you have an issue, you don't get to tell anybody else but that yeah. person. Yeah, yeah. And it takes a, uh, it takes fortitude, and that takes mm-hmm. accountability. But I'm like, folks, if you're going to manage, this is one of the main skills, and it's hard to trust yourself and to put trust in somebody else on their response. Yeah. So we listed a bunch of go no goes about um, say everything, say it nicely, but say everything. There are no compliment sandwiches. Like we had a whole list of if we're going to do this, we're going to do it. And when one of us kind of started getting in the gray area, we're like, yeah. <laughs> you want to be a leader at SKG, you're going to put the hard work in up front yeah. and it will pay dividends. Wow. You know, it's interesting because, you know, as you were describing some of the things you've gone through, I was reflecting on the fact that, and, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, that leadership is not always done in the work setting or in a meeting sometimes it's done at the water cooler or it's done in these informal little spaces that we connect and i'm wondering what you've done to try to make teams work better and make your leadership work better during this covid 19 situation where we're not together we can't meet in the water cooler we we don't have these opportunities to build the connection and the emotional the vulnerability and all those things, if all we, we do is get on Zoom meetings, you know? So what, what strategies, if any, have you maybe been looking at to deal with leadership now? We've done a host of things and some have worked really well and some we've had to kind of roll back. I'm so grateful um, that two years ago as part of this initiative, mm-hmm. every leader, um, we've tried making sure that the teams weren't so robust um, that it was impractical to do this. But every leader for every direct report had 15 to 20 minutes every week or every other week, depending on the employee's tenure with the company. If they were new, we would meet with them more often. If they were more senior, they kind of are in a rhythm maybe every other week. But every director, manager, whatever, has 15 to 20 minutes with every direct report every week or every other week. And it Mm -hmm. is a, um, we initially picked that off with goal setting at the beginning of the year or as you're onboarded, Mm -hmm. you fill out a questionnaire about yourself, letting us get to know a little bit more about you. But also we ask you to write out, what are your three goals? What's your personal, professional, and your family goal? Do you want to run a marathon this year? Do you want to learn Mandarin? Do you, is this a year that, you know, your, your son or daughter is a senior and back on, I'm spending all my focus time this last year with them, whatever it might be, what are your goals? So that way, when we do these 15, 20 minute touch points, 
we not only take temperature on where they are, but where are they with their goals? Where are they with the family? Where are they with a significant other? Whatever it might be, but it allows, it lets us in to know, is there something going on in your family that mm. is keeping you from bringing your whole self to work? And then what is our role in that? Is our role just to support? Is our role to give you time off? Do you need financial support? Mm -hmm. So many times you just kind of move through the year and years click by and you had no idea that their mother was dying of cancer. Mm -hmm. You know, some people are private and, and we respect that, but we wanted to make sure that we took the time for every employee to understand what's on their personal plate. So as we transitioned into COVID, we ramped those up. I took more time to jump in on team calls where a lot of times I might not jump in because then if I'm on, everybody's, you know, <laughs> nobody was, yeah, they were probably talking about me, you know, so, um, you know, so, but I would want to jump on, you know, how are you? How are you managing this with your kids? I mean, we're, we have over 85% female workforce. I mean, there's a lot of kiddos with, and we're either in single parent, single moms, or, or a, a dual income family, but we all know predominantly it's the female taking the role of the educator, and that has weighed heavy yeah. on our employees. So our touch points are valuable. Um, our team check-ins are very valuable, and we recently did a town hall with mm. we did not have a set agenda other than we want you to tell us about your child care issues mm. and we opened it up i mean i left the call crying oh <laughs> it was so impactful and i turned to we have um, a culture club group which i'll tell you about in a minute mm -hmm. i turned to the leader of our culture club group and i said we have to be doing these town halls you know, every other month, every quarter, where there's not a set agenda where we're providing information, but where we ask them two to three questions and they give us the information. It was very, very impactful. Wow. You know, there's an African saying um, that friendship is when we can eat together. <laughs> and as I hear you, um, I really would add, it's also when we can cry together. Um, so I really admire that that focus on bringing out the the truth of of your people, you know, in in a work environment. You know, on that note, um, you know, one of the things I love to learn and, and talk about is really the connection between these people, human happiness issues, and business profitability. You know, there are a lot of people who don't make the connection very easily. They go, "Okay, wait a second, we're not here to be happy. We're here to <laughs> talk about sales." And the funny thing is both of those things are important. What's your take on it? I can already tell that you're, you're very focused on, on this, but I'd love to hear your angle on connecting the two. You know, if you're, if you're into research and data or a closet nerd like I am, I mean, the, the data supports. Yeah. I mean, a happier workforce, you, you, can, you can look at it and, and uh, make direct correlation to a workforce that is happy and feel fulfilled in their work, the company has better revenues, has better profitability, has better EBITDA. I mean, it's, 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 it's true. Um, you know, I went to, um, 
the Texas Women's Conference a few years ago. And um, I listened to his last name is Acorn. Um, okay. I think his name is Andy, might be his first name, and I apologize. I, I, I wish I could remember. He's in, he's, he was rather delightful, and um, he has a PhD in happiness from Harvard. Yes, I think and, I know who you're talking about. He wrote yeah, a book about happiness. He, he did, he did. Mm -hmm. And, and it, so I kind of giggled because we, the one thing that is true about our culture here at SKG we take our job seriously. We do not take ourselves seriously. We are actually, before you turned on the podcast, yeah. I had to take down the bobblehead of me with a cigarette in my mouth. You should have left that up there. <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of how we are. Yeah. <laughs> the CFO put that in here as a joke. Um, so we totally buy into the reality mm -hmm. that a happy workforce is not only a productive but generates more revenues and profits than than a company that that isn't and we focus on that through it's not about a happy hour and it's not about a gimmick yeah and i think that's where people lose sight is they're like okay great well let's set up a series of happy hours and i, I think a lot of times they don't get to the root at what drives people happy. Yeah. And that's what we wanted to make sure that we did. We wanted to create an environment where people can be real. Yep. Um, we wanted to create an environment that we manage a process and not mm -hmm. have to micromanage people. Mm. We wanted to create an organization that allowed for a diversity of thought, um, that allowed for um, honest feedback, mm -hmm. uh, allowed for learning. We, people move jobs here all the time because we want, we want people not to just come in in one role. We mm -hmm. want people to want more. We want people to feel fulfilled. We want them to go back to school we'll pay for it. Yeah. I mean, we want people to want more for themselves mm -hmm. and then it naturally pays off that they want more for SKG. Wow. You know, um, you and I, I think we share something. We're, we're uh, lifelong learners. And through the magic of Google, I was able to find the book that you, you referenced. It's The Happiness Advantage yes. by Sean, Sean Acor. That's it. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I, I have to say that I, I really enjoy just learning from you and watching you and just listening to even your vulnerability, telling us about, you know, uh, the, the, the young child who had learning, learning disabilities, but is now a lifelong learner. It's really, it's really an emotional journey that I'm, I'm just so, I'm pleased to have learned about you and I appreciate you sharing. Where can people find you or connect with you either to learn more about your, your beliefs and your, your approach or buy something from your company? Um, <laughs> what's the best place for people to connect with you? So I am on LinkedIn uh -huh. um, and it'll be Beth Goff McMillan or you can find me through SKG's page as well. And um, that's, you can connect directly to me. I, I am not a self-promoter. There's not a lot about me um, mm -hmm. on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. uh, but boy, I do love, um, I'm very active in the community. 
Mm-hmm. I'm very involved with women at Austin. I'm very, very involved with the Women's Fund under um, the Austin Communities Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if you get out much in the city and do any type of social or service work, I might be out there with you. Yeah. Um, I really love community work. Um, so you can m- maybe bump into me in some of those arenas. And then our website mm-hmm. is skgtexas.com. Got it. Um, and I love for people to visit the site for, for one reason. I, l- I love engaging with customers. And, and yes, our, our output is, is service and product sales. But that's not what I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. What I'm passionate about is our COVID page. Our, there's a, right at the top of our website is a banner. Mm-hmm. We do immense amount of research. We actually have a research and um, strategy designer on staff. And that's all she does is distill research, creates research. Um, and we, we share that. We want people to lean into our hard work on how do you return to site. People miss people. Yeah. People miss the engagement. We want people to be inspired and, and remember why did they go to the workplace to begin with. Yeah. And it wasn't to do heads down work. It was to collaborate. It was to fill the culture. So there's so much information on our COVID site about how we have returned to work very mm-hmm. safely, how we're helping others. Um, so read our blogs. Um, read our articles, look at our research. If anything, if we can just help you think about your space differently, help and engage um, your employees and connect your employees to work, that's, that's what we love doing. Wow. That is just so fun to hear. And I will make sure we have uh, those two links, the skgtexas.com and your LinkedIn web, uh, web, web page uh, down thank in the you. comments below. Uh, it's been a pleasure to meet you, Beth, and thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. Have a great day. All righty. Thanks for tuning in to the Profitable Happiness Podcast. For more episodes, visit drpalay.com. And remember, get happy first and success will follow.